Hello, Mississippi and abroad. Welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford, the Ole Miss beat writer for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, and I'm joined today by Ole Miss baseball radio analyst and career hits leader, Brad Henderson. Brad, we have a lot of Mississippi to talk about today. We're going to break down the Oxford Regional, and uh, it was uh, – it was a hard-fought regional win for Ole Miss. Good to see two Mississippi teams, two really quality teams going at it with uh, with so much on the line. Yeah, it's a lot of talent. Uh, it just shows you the uh, amount of baseball talent in the state. You know, obviously Mississippi State had a great weekend, and um, it was two really good teams in Oxford yesterday just getting after each other. Uh, but a lot of talent. A lot of great coaches, uh, a lot of respect for each other, and it just turned out to be a tremendous uh, Oxford Regional. It was uh, it was a good weekend, uh, long weekend, uh, some uh, rain coming into play, lots of things going on, lots of moving parts. We're going to talk about all that here. Folks, we want to thank our partners, the Oxford Park Commission, for coming along for the ride to justify your existence. Young folks, younger than Brad and me, ages 5 to 15, can develop their basketball skill this summer at IHOOP and OPC camp with former Ole Miss women's basketball standout Erica Sisk. Those sessions are going on right now uh, through the month of June and July. Every Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, ages 5 to 10 will go from 545 to 630, ages 1115 from 630 to 745. Cost is 150 per month. Bollywood dancing, a different sort of dancing, native to India. Kids ages 7 to 12 are meeting from 5 to 6 on Tuesdays and Thursdays through June 24th. And again, from July 6 to 29, adult classes are meeting from 6.30 to 7.30, June 23 and uh, through June 23rd and July 5 to 28. Cost is $60 for kids, $65 for adults. And there is an upcoming uh, water polo skills camp. That's June 19 to 20. Another one, July 22 to 23. Ages 12 to 18, you must be an experienced swimmer. Cost is $40. For more information on these programs and many more, visit OxfordParkCommission.com. All right, Brad, let's talk Oxford Regional uh, a little bit here. Um, Who was your MVP? Now, we talk uh, from a media standpoint, they pass out the balance late in the final game, and we all look at this, and and we got to pick an MVP, and it was not an easy task. I I thought had Southern Miss won the game, Reed Trimble, uh, their center fielder, would have been an obvious choice. Uh, After that, uh, Tim Elko was a deserving winner of MVP. I voted for Doug Nikhazy. Uh, I thought uh, it was more about pitching than about hitting, even though they had 12 runs yesterday. A lot of those home runs, Brad, were caught, uh, would be caught in other circumstances yesterday. Huge weekend for Tim Elko. I voted Doug Nikhazy. Who would you pick? Well, obviously, Tim deserves all the credit he's getting right now. But if I had to just come down to who's been probably the most staple uh, player on that team, it's probably Kevin Graham. And he extended that – on Bay Street to set the NC- – I mean, he's going to lead the NCAA this year. He's at 56 or 57 games. He can't be caught. Um, and, and he's just been 
you know, whether he's hitting in the three hole, the four hole, he's just been there all season long. And, and to me, he's the most underrated player in the league. Uh, he's the most underrated player in the SEC. For a guy to hit 340 uh, with 13 homers in the regular season and over 50 RBIs and have that type of streak of reach base streak, uh, to me, he's, he's it, it blows my mind how underrated, how much credit he doesn't get. Uh, for being a good player. And then Jacob Gonzalez as well. He's just continued to play extremely well at shortstop uh, as well as swing it. But, yeah, I mean, Tim's going to be your obvious choice just because of the the story that goes along with it and and deservedly so. But for me, it's really Kevin or, or, um, or Jacob, just simply because Jacob uh, – Kevin's been so consistent, but Jacob plays such an important position on the field – that uh, if you don't play well defensively in that position, you, it, it obviously really shows. And he plays a tremendous shortstop. Uh, and as a freshman in this league, that's that's a that's a lot of pressure on an 18 or 19 year old. I voted Nikhazy because I thought winning this regional for them at this time was more about pitching this weekend than about hitting. Uh, Nikhazy's performance against Florida State. Uh, in, in their second game of the regional. Of course, he had that uh, – uh, he, he gave up some, a bomb there in the sixth, uh, gave up three runs. They were able to come back, uh, and he had the shutdown inning there in the seventh. Uh, and the out that he got, the one out, when he came in yesterday with the bases loaded, two outs there in the sixth, got the strikeout, just uh, really located well. I didn't think he located well – as well, Brad, uh, in the seventh inning there. The home run, the first one, looked like it was just caught too much of the plate. I'm trying to remember the second one, but those two home runs kind of, you know, I thought gave Southern some life. Three runs looks a lot more manageable than uh, than five runs on, on your deficit. Uh, but anyway, talking about Kevin Graham being underrated, why? I mean, I, I, some players, it just seems to stick on them like that for one reason or another. Maybe it's because he hasn't been a career outfielder. But uh, why do you think he just seems uh, underrated uh, around the SEC? Well, I, I think times have changed, Paris, from, from when I played. But Kevin, he would have played he, – he would have been a great player when I played because he's not a rah-rah guy. Uh, you know, he hits a home run, he runs around the bases – um, you know, he just goes about his business. You know, he's never in front of the camera very much. You don't see him on Twitter. Uh, he's just not from that mold. You know, he, he just is quiet. He goes about his business. And I think he enjoys being the quiet leader on this team. But, uh, you know, not, not to say other guys are flamboyant on this team. They're just used to the Twitter world and the technical world. And Kevin is just a – Bring, bring your lunch pail to work, guy, and, and, he, and he does it every day. Uh, and it's been fun to watch him. And, and, you know, if he does come back next year, he, he will get those, uh, those the, the recognition and awards that he deserves. Uh, and, and not everybody can make all conference outfield, you know, in the SEC. And, uh, because there's a, there's a lot of guys that hit for multiple home runs, double-digit home runs, and hit 340 or above. And, um but he just brings it every day, and he's gotten better in left field. Um, you know, so it, he's just been a pleasant, a joy to be around. He's a pleasure to visit with, uh, and, and I'm excited for really for him the most because he's really 
the only one position player-wise that had postseason experience coming into this year. You know, I mean, Tim and Justin Bench are older, but they, they didn't play much two years ago on that 2019 team. Graham did. He was a contributor. Uh, so to get to see him come full circle and get to do it again after the COVID year last year, uh, it's got to be pretty special for Kevin. So, so what I'm hearing from you, Brad, is that it would have been better for Ben Van Cleve against Nick Maldonado from Vanderbilt if Kevin Graham had hit the home run before him <laughs> and, and not made it unhurts. Because yes, yeah, yeah, he wouldn't have been thrown that. I would have probably <laughs> have said that. Now, you know, Kevin's going to admire one every now and then, but you just don't see the the beating on the chest and, the, you know, then get on Twitter. And I, it just – like I said, it's a worker's mentality, and and he just brings his his lunch pail to work every day, and and it just he get you know what you're gonna get from him every single game, and that's that's got that's a luxury Mike Bianco has. All right, and talking about the leadership from Kevin Graham, Brad, maybe we saw an example of that yesterday uh, when there was a fly ball to a little bit of the center field side, and uh, Kevin ran over there called it, made the catch, and uh, T.J. McCants did not almost collide with him. Uh, maybe maybe there was a discussion uh, after, uh, after that play uh, from the day before when, uh, you know, they converged. But uh, anyway, maybe, uh, maybe T.J. is getting past that. A lot of aggression. Got to channel that better. Um, talking about – you mentioned Jacob Gonzalez, Brad. Uh, I thought he had a great regional. I thought he was very good defensively. That play against uh, – Florida State late in the game, barehanding, making the throw after it bounced off Broadway. Seems to be a guy that uh, – do you sense when watching him that if he has a little bit more time on a throw, he's going to take that time more often? I know you don't want to rush a throw, but but sometimes it seems like like he can get it off a little quicker. Uh, yes. he He's got that clock in his head, Parrish, yeah. uh, that not everybody's born with, you know. He knows the speed of the batter runner, uh, and it's amazing. Uh, and he does it really on every ground ball, whether it's routine or, or tough play. He already knows how much time he's got. So whether he needs to take his time or or rush his throw, uh, but the kid is special. And, and I hope people uh, that associate with this program and support this program uh, realize what they have sooner before it's too late, you know, because I, I don't – I, I hope they enjoy getting to watch him probably for only two more years. Uh, he's just that good. Um, I, I think he's going to project as a big league third baseman. Uh, but what he's doing at shortstop at, at Ole Miss is really uncharted territory. And we've had some great ones come through. And defensively, uh, he's going to be right there with all those guys. I'm and Going back to Donnie Kessinger. Uh, and certainly Gray and, and Kozart, and the list goes on and on, Errol Robinson. But uh, what he's done offensively uh, has surpassed most all of them as a freshman. You know, it's, it's, it's really special how good he is. So you, you better enjoy it while you can if you're an Ole Miss fan. It, it took me a little bit of watching uh, Jacob at shortstop to understand that clock you're talking about because initially – I'm watching that, and I'm thinking, well, he doesn't quite have the quick release uh, that some others have had at this position at Ole Miss, but he really does. And certainly that play uh, off of uh, when it bounced off Broadway, 
that showed uh, the quick release that he has. But uh, as you watch him, uh, you can see you can see that clock you're talking about. Uh, big league third baseman. I've heard others kind of project him at that position. He's a big guy. Um, I, we've seen some pitchers, some highly rated pitchers come out uh, of Ole Miss. Uh, obviously, Drew Pomeranz going in the first round, fifth pick overall back in 2010. You think uh, – Ole Miss might have a couple of first-round position players that are playing right now between Jacob and uh, Hayden Dunhurst? Uh, I think there's obviously a, a really good chance. Um, Jacob more so than Hayden right now. And this is just me personally. I haven't talked to scouts. I haven't talked to coaches. Um, I think Hayden's going to have to be a little bit more consistent uh, batting. You know, we, we, we've seen when he's really good, he's good. And when he's scuffling, he's going to have to figure out ways to get out of it. You know, he's shown some holes in his swing as of late, which all young players do. Um, obviously, he's a tremendous catch-and-throw guy. I'd like to see him be a little more consistent uh, on receiving balls. You, you see some balls being dropped. Even with nobody on base, when it doesn't really matter, you still want your catcher to give your pitcher the best chance. And, and you just see some balls missed. Uh, but I'll also say he catches every single game. And right now we're in the later stages and he's got to be tired. You know, you think back, he hadn't, he's never played this many games in a season. Um, and he's grinding right now, but I don't know that there's a better catch and throw guy in, in the, in the, in the country than Hayden Dunhurst. And the numbers show that he was certainly the best catch and throw guy in the league, uh, this year in the toughest league in, in the country. Uh, but, yes, there's certainly some opportunities uh, for those guys to go extremely high. Uh, but they're going to have to continue to get better during their stay at Ole Miss. Obviously, next year will be Hayden's draft-eligible year, and, and two years from now will be Jacob's. So it'll be fun to track those guys and, and see how they're uh, trending come draft time. Yeah, you, you can see the catch and throw from Hayden and, and how good that is and, and, and what a weapon he's been for Ole Miss in, in that regard this year, there have been times when I've thought uh, some balls have gotten through that uh, that should have been blocked. But uh, I think he uh, he feels his position so extremely well. There was a bunt play against Florida State where he uh, jumped out there and, and made that play. So anyway, uh, he's been a, a real asset as well. well. And let me say this one last thing about him: Enrique Bradfield Jr. from from Vanderbilt, uh, obviously led led the. SEC and stolen bases, you know, had over 40 coming in. Nobody's even close to him. And Hayden throws him out in game one of the three-game series, and he basically shut the running game down for the entire weekend. And uh, not many not many catchers have been able to do that, shut their running game down, and, and he's done that. So that that's a difference maker in itself, and it completely, to me, changed that entire Vanderbilt weekend uh, and that, that's one dimension he took out of their uh, uh, bag that they weren't able to go to. And, and I think it made a difference in us winning that series here in Oxford. Well, you know what? It makes a difference in winning three out of five. Uh, Ole Miss winning three out of five against Vanderbilt. So, uh, good good point there. You mentioned hole in the swing there for uh, Dunhurst. We're seeing a hole in the swing from T.J. McCants right now. Uh, these guys, I'm talking about he and Gonzalez right now, hit so well for so long. I know about freshman wall. I've seen freshman wall. But I, when when you got to May and McCants was hitting like 350, Brad, I, I thought, well, 
he's going to avoid the freshman wall. But uh, what, what are you seeing in, in his swing right now and his approach at the plate? Yeah, I don't – I don't know that hole is a, is a good word I should have used because I don't, I don't think there's a hole in the swing. You just mentioned, I think it's his approach. Uh, I, I think he's, I think he's just sitting everything pulled. And, and when those guys are good, if we're going to talk about specific players, TJ and, and Hayden, both, when they're going really good, they're hitting the ball the other way. And you saw Hayden uh, in this regional, he had a big two out double, um, against Florida, was it Florida State or maybe game one, maybe game one against Southern Miss two days ago, he hits a double into left center, which is the opposite field for him uh, to, to score a couple runs. And when they're going good, that's where their approach is. You know, TJ gets a huge hit late in the Georgia series to win uh, yeah. the, the first, you know, he hits the line drive to the left field. So when they're going good, they're doing that. Well, right now they're just getting a little pull happy and you can see them pulling off balls. And so they're struggling really against right-handers to hit change-ups away. Uh, it's, it's not easy anyway, but when you're pulling off, trying to pull it to right field, contact's just not going to be there. So I say that that's, that's not a hole problem, that they have a hole in their swing. But it's just the approach right now. They're just too pull happy for me because of, we've seen them stay on those same pitches and hit them the other way. They're just not doing that right now. So that's just something that they're going to have to learn, make some adjustments, because obviously at this point, this many games in, Arizona's going to have a, have a pretty good scouting report against this lineup. Yeah, and I thought the Southern Miss uh, defensive shift, uh, certainly we've seen that from a lot of teams against uh, the Ole Miss left-handers. I thought they was, theirs was pretty effective. Uh, at times, uh, the Georgia series, when uh, McCants and Gonzalez went back-to-back in that, in that second game that clinched the series, both of them went the other way. We, we've seen uh, Ole Miss at times uh, burn that shift from different teams. Didn't didn't seem to do it as much this weekend. Uh, if if you're uh, you know coaching the hitters at uh, at Ole Miss, Brad, how, how do you get them to uh, show that discipline that you're talking about and and just really kind of burn teams when they get in that shift uh, how how, to, how can you get well to you, you, number one it's all about they've gone to analytics so much now and, and scouting reports and spray charts and uh and, and all you can do is basically prepare those kids um with the information they need to know before they go into an at bat here's here's how this guy's going to pitch you here this has got to be your approach and the kids either do it or they don't and we talk about the freshmen with the, uh, you know, most all freshmen when they come in, their pool side is their comfort zone, you know, because in high school, that's just what all they know. That's what they're good at. And they've just got to learn to hit the ball the other way when they get to college. So, you know, all you can do for those guys is give them the scouting report, give them the analytics of, here, hey, here's how these guys are going to try and pitch you. This has got to be your approach, and you just hope they trust it. Now, one thing I did like from this weekend when the shift was on, really with both of those guys, Dunhurst and, and McCants, is we did see them try to bunt and yeah. bunt their way on more than I've seen all, all season. So now that certainly has put something in the back of Arizona's mind that, hey, we may still shift, but we, we may either going to have to give up the third baseman and, and, and leave him in or we obviously we give up the opportunity for them to bunt uh, and 
and bumped their way on easily for a single. So I was glad to see that because we don't see this team bunt very often. Uh, but again, it, it may be one of those deals they're just trying to grind it out this weekend. Uh, at this point, you certainly don't change anything mechanical. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But you, you just hope they get hot. At, at yeah, I, I did. I did see that a couple of times, and I thought I'm I'm, I'm glad to see this response here. Let's <clears throat> let's recognize this massive hole on the left side and and try to take advantage of it if you can. I mean, it's not easy to get a bunt down, especially sure. against great pitchers. Sure. Uh, dog pile at the end of the game yesterday, uh, Brad, good thing, bad thing. This, this was a regional. Uh, what, what did you read into that? Anything? Uh, didn't, I didn't hear that Kevin Graham tore an ACL in the dog pile. No, I didn't, I didn't read anything into that. Um, and you know, if there, to me, and again, I've only been doing the color thing, obviously for a, a, a COVID year and this full year. So, uh, I don't have a lot of body of work to base it off of, but if you were, if this team was ever going to do a dog pile, this would have been the year uh, for all the adversity they've been through, the injuries. Um, I don't know that anybody – once uh, Tim got hurt, Gunner went down, uh, I don't know that anybody, if they were being honest with themselves, saw this team having the opportunity to dog pile going into yesterday. Uh, if we're just honest with ourselves. Yeah. But those those 27 kids did. And, you know, I, I don't – this is a 45-win team, 46-win team. And, you know, I, I had a chance to talk to Lafferty last night, the pitching guy, and, and he and I both said it, man. If if Gunnar Hoagland's healthy, this team has got a shot not only to get to Omaha, but to make a real run in Omaha. So, yeah. even without Gunnar, the sky's the limit for this team. They just don't quit. Um I don't think if you'd have told me last week we were going to play Auburn, Vanderbilt twice, Arkansas, and then Georgia or whoever else we played. I don't think you if you'd have laid that out there. I don't think many people would tell you we're going to go three and two, and our two losses were going to be a one run loss to Vanderbilt and one run loss to Arkansas. Either you know uh, this team has overachieved whether people want to admit it or not. Uh, they're getting more out of kids who have never been on this stage probably than any team in the country. I mean, you've literally got one guy uh, in Kevin Graham with true postseason experience, uh, uh, position player-wise, and you've got Doug Nikhazy. Um So to, to do what they're doing, um, yes, I, I think they deserve the dog pile or whatever they want to do because I, I think a lot of people honestly uh, saw the saw the, the, the holes in this team but, but you can't measure the heart and the grit that this team has. So, you know, yes, dogpile and and let's go to the Supers. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, you losing Hoagland really did change the makeup of this team, Brad. And, and we've said a lot that uh, pitching was going to be uh, uh, a trouble spot, could be, uh, for this team in the, in the way that a regional would set up and that Ole Miss would have to uh, hit its way on, hit its, hit its way through a regional, and, and it did. It did finally got to the elimination game, and uh, and and those big hits were there. As far as a dog pile, um, you know, one I thought it was a, a COVID nineteen dog pile because I didn't think their uh, their hearts were really in it. They're like they they did it, but it wasn't like full speed leaping and and uh, flying through the air and everything. It was a it, it was an orchestrated, a careful kind of dog pile. And uh, but the thing that I saw in that Brad was. I thought that was less about 
oh my goodness, we're going to the Super Regional. Uh, it was more about beating a quality opponent. It was more. It was more recognition of the effort that it took to win that game yesterday. Kind of, kind of the reaction that you might see uh, when any team wins a long extra inning game. You know, just kind of recognition of what it took to get there. So uh, interesting. It was a a good weekend. Uh, a uh, difficult challenge ahead with Arizona. Uh, they'll again. They'll miss Gunnar Hoagland, and uh, we'll see how the pitching holds up. But uh, like you said, this team is overachieved. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I mean, you look back, and, and I agree with your your statement on the dog pile. Uh, I've never really looked at it from that stance. I, to be honest with you, I really didn't even watch the dog pile. I was, you know. Uh, at, at this point in the game, that's just, you know, some teams do it, some teams don't. Yeah. But uh, you, you go back and look, and obviously it, it, we say it every time, you know, it, it kills us not having Gunner. Uh, but we look up yesterday, and, and the, the unsung hero from yesterday is, is Jack Doherty. Yeah. I mean, he goes four innings, gives up two earned runs. Uh, who would have penciled that six weeks ago? And, and, again, it's just one of those guys. I didn't even have a scouting report. Uh, for fans for pregame on Jack Doherty when when he got to pitch the very first time I had to call after who is this kid uh, you know so it, it's just those kind of stories is why I think those kids had this dog pile you know because you're pitching Jack Doherty who wasn't even traveling uh, a month and a half ago in the championship game of a regional and he and he. And he goes four innings, gives up two runs against obviously an extremely talented Southern Miss team offensively. So um, it, it's just stories like that that are what make it special. And so that's why it's, you can't write this team off going going to Arizona uh, because you know you, you you go back to Hoover and Doherty throws a game, Adcock throws a game, McDaniel throws. Uh, they were all special. So you sometimes you don't know what you, you're, you're going to get. Uh, but sometimes expect the unexpected too, because this team has certainly proven that side of it as well. So yeah, real challenge in Tucson. But I know the I know the guys are excited and uh, and anxious to get on that airplane and, and get out there, folks. That'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Be sure to check out our work at DJournal. Dot com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss page and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Lots of good things there in Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford. Thanks for being with us, folks. Come back and join us tomorrow.